Jesus, we thank you today for your presence in this place. We thank you that you are here with us. You never fail us. There is not a moment in our lives where we are ever alone. Whether we're young or whether we're old, you're always there. And Lord, I pray today that we would have a renewed consciousness of that. Each and every one of us, we would know that you are with us. That your eyes are upon us. That's what your word says. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. And Lord, we stand in your presence righteous. I pray for that renewed sense. That renewed sense. Not just in this moment. But in every moment of life. That renewed sense of consciously knowing that you're with us and that we are in you we live in you we move in you we have our very being in you i ask this in jesus name for all of your people amen amen well i trust you're having a good week trust that your you know your your spirit is well your mind is strong in these times. Lots of changes happening. Lots of um, news breaking in the world in which we live. Right across, not just our own country, but right across the world these days. There seems to be no stability. Men and women are reaching in this crisis. And um, not really finding any answers for what we're in. But uh, I tell you now, our lives are secure in Christ Jesus. They are. We, our lives are built on the rock that is solid, that is unmovable and unshakable in the storm. And that should give us great confidence. That should give us, as the people of God, great hope and security. In the midst of all of the changes and all of the times that we live in. And all of the uncertainties that people face. The church is going to shine glorious. The church, Jesus hasn't given up on building his church. He builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will be everything that God has destined it to be. It will be that bright city on a hill. Shining into the darkness, offering wonderful, glorious hope for everyone that will come to it. And uh, I tell you, these are glorious times, times in which we can shine brightly in the hope that we hold in our heart to a world that needs answers, to a world that needs the gospel that we carry in our hearts. So I want to encourage you today. As we read God's word, we're going to continue in this series of messages that I've been talking to you about, a hopeless end or an endless hope. We're going to continue on in that today. 
And I'm going to say this, I'm going to repeat it because it's so encouraging when we remember these things. It is impossible for a believer, a child of God, to ever come to a hopeless ending in life. Impossible, not possible for you to ever come to a hopeless end in life. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, you have an endless hope. We need to constantly remind ourselves of that. We're in a world that's saturated with negativity at the moment. We're in a world that's saturated with news of crisis after crisis, where men and and governments, countries nationwide are clutching at straws. And it's all like grasping for the wind. There's no stability. Everything's changing. I tell you now, we have an endless hope in Christ Jesus. That's immovable. That's unshakable. Yeah, we go through difficult times. Yes, we don't understand everything that's going on. But I tell you now, we have confidence in knowing that he who has begun a good work in us will perform it and complete it. He really will. None other than Jesus has started the work in you. It's not going to be interrupted. It's going to go on into completion. No matter how old you are, young or old, he's going to do everything he's promised, everything he's purposed, everything he has planned for your life. He holds you in his hand and he's never lost a soul yet. Hallelujah. You're secure in him. You really are. Secure in him. And you have an endless, endless hope in him. But we're living in times where people are losing hope. We're living in times where people are struggling with faith. Struggling to trust. Struggling to believe. And Jesus spoke about these times very clearly long before we arrived on the scene. He spoke about them and he tells us that these times would come. He tells us of troubling times that would cause men to lose heart. He tells us about times where men, men's hearts would fail them. Why? Because they don't have God as their source of hope. But for the believer, we never fall into this place of hopelessness. Never. Impossible. Because we live in him. We move in him. We have our being in him. We don't fall into hopelessness like others do. We don't faint. We don't fear. Our hearts don't fail us. Because we have a hopeless, an endless hope in Jesus. When men's hearts are failing them, Jesus instructs us as his church, as his children, to look up. Not to look around, not to look down, but to look up. Lift your head up, he says. Now that is a posture of hope. That is not a posture of hopelessness. That is a posture of hope. Let me read it to you. 
Jesus' words regarding the future. Luke chapter 21, verse, from verse 25 to 28 says this, Jesus speaking. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. In a time of crisis, in a time of panic, in a time of world pandemic, we are not to panic as the church of God, as the people of God. We are to have hope. Hope in God. Look up, he says. That's a posture of hope. Don't look down. Hold your head up high, believer, child of God. As you walk through this world, as you meet people, your conversation is going to be different to theirs. It's going to be hope-filled, not fear-filled. Your, your, your language, your conversation is going to be a bridge to them into the hope which you hold in your heart. Why? Because we don't go to, towards a hopeless ending. We have an endless hope in Christ Jesus. This is the posture that we have. I was so encouraged just recently. My mom was... Um, just going to Newport one day and she bumped into a young man that she didn't know and this young man just out of the overflow of his heart just began to talk quite fearfully and my mum just graciously responded to him she said well you know in these days and in these moments of crisis I'm so glad to be able to pray and he looked at her and 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 kind of frantically said, well, well, I, I pray every day. And she said, do you really? And she was about to say to him, well, that's great that you pray every day. I do too. When the Holy Spirit spoke, wonderful moments when the Holy Spirit just quietly interrupts and intervenes and begins to guide the conversation and direct it in a way where he wants it to go. And as she was talking to this man, the Holy Spirit said this, why don't you just go ahead and lead him to Jesus? He's ready. Why don't you just go ahead, lead him to hope? So right there in John Frost Square, is it John Frost Square? It is. No, it's Friars Walk. See Trish? <laughs> Is Tony Blair still Prime Minister? Hallelujah. So right there, in Friar's Walk, she led him to Jesus. Prayed a simple prayer. No long explanation. Just gave him the gospel. 
in its simplicity, right there in Friar's Walk, led him to Jesus. And he said, this is what he said to her. He said, lady, this is amazing today. This is amazing that I should meet you. I'm actually only in Newport for a few hours. I'm going back to, to, to Birmingham in just a few hours' time, and I never come to Newport. I've just come here just for a few hours, and then I'll be on my way, but I've met you. A divine, a divine appointment ordained by God. A bit like when Philip was sent from Samaria to an Ethiopian who was reading the book of Isaiah and asking questions to himself about the Messiah that he was reading about in Isaiah. Philip leads him to Christ, baptizes him, and then off he goes. God has these divine moments for every one of us. In this hopeless world in which we live, we are carriers of hope. We won't communicate this hope the same to everyone that we meet. But like Paul said, we'll become all things to all men that we might win some. We are carriers of hope. We are loaded with this hope, this good news. And I want to encourage you to carry this hope into the world in which we live. Because even in this crisis, in this pandemic, the great commission that we have been commissioned with by Jesus has not gone on hold. It really hasn't. More than ever, we are to carry this word of God to people that don't know Jesus. We really are. Now last week, we looked at enduring hope. I don't know if you remember that. Enduring hope. And that's a phrase that Paul, the apostle, used when he was commending and encouraging a very young church, the church at Thessalonica. And this young church was pressured and persecuted and they were in a real corner. Everybody had turned against them and they were feeling the pressure and the heat was on, but Paul encouraged them. Paul commended them. Because he saw this enduring hope within them that was so alive and real. Now Paul, the apostle, had exemplified this enduring hope very, very powerfully. You read about his second, second missionary trip in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 17. And just before he arrived to plant that church in the city of Thessalonica, he is in a city called Philippi. And Paul and Silas are preaching powerfully. And the word of God has great effect. But suddenly there's a huge disturbance and a huge uproar within that city as Paul casts out a devil in a slave girl. And she's rendered powerless now to bring profit to her masters because she used to tell people's fortunes. They kick off. And as a result, Paul and Silas get taken to the city magistrates, manhandled by the crowd, and they want blood. As a result, these guys get whipped and beaten and thrown into a prison. 
But in the midnight hour, you see, they're not complaining. In the midnight hour when their future seems to be hanging in the balance. In the midnight hour when their future seems so uncertain and so dark. In the hands of man, they begin to praise God. They begin to thank Him. They begin to sing. And all of the prisoners in that prison cell are listening to these two men that have got bloody backs who have been beaten and flogged, publicly humiliated and rejected by the whole city of Philippi. They're singing their praise and the prisoners are listening. And at about midnight, the Bible tells us this is powerful stuff. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we place our hope and our faith in. At about midnight, as they're singing praise, an earthquake hits that prison. All of the chains fall off. And Paul and Silas are free. The Philippian jailer runs in. He's about to kill himself because he knows that if these men aren't accounted for, his life is over. And Paul checks everybody's there in place. He saves the, the jailer's life. And then the jailer takes him home in the middle of the night, begins to wash and bandage their wounds, Paul and Silas, full of joy, in pain, yes. But joy in their hearts, filled with hope, unrelenting in their spirit, they speak the gospel right into that family and the entire household are saved. They, they go back the next morning, appear before the magistrates before they're kicked out of Philippi. And on they go through the regions. And then suddenly they come to the city of Thessalonica. And they begin to preach the city to the city. These guys aren't, you know, wondering whether to cancel the trip because things are hard. These guys aren't conferring with one another. Well, you know, we've, had, we've been manhandled, we've been mistreated, we've been humiliated publicly and rejected and imprisoned at Philippi. Guys, I think we need to call the trip off. No, enduring hope, enduring hope is alive within them. This is the power of the Holy Ghost. This is the enduring hope that you have in your heart. As a result of the life of Jesus in you. You're loaded with it. You're packed with it. And this enduring hope enables you and empowers you to go through any crisis. It enables you and empowers you to go through any dark night. It really does. Now they turn up at Thessalonica with their, their backs bleeding. Still probably nursing their wounds. And they get to business. Preaching the gospel. And many people are listening. Because in Thessalonica, it's a city that is dominated by idols. And Paul is going right into the heart of that city and telling men and women everywhere to turn from their idols and to turn to Jesus Christ. It's a bit like going into Newport or, or coming through the UK and telling everybody to get rid of their mobile phones. 
That's how prevalent, that's how entrenched idolatry was in the cultures of that time. And Paul goes in with the gospel, with the good news. Three little Jews, Paul, Silas and Timothy, go in and powerfully declare the word of God, the gospel, into a hopeless situation. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, hundreds are turning from their idolatry and a church is birthed. Until people start to complain. And again, the same complaint begins to emerge in Thessalonica. These men, you can read it in Acts chapter 17. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here now. They're in our city. They're turning this city upside down. They're, they're preaching things against the edict of Caesar. And suddenly now, there's another conflict emerging. And this church that Paul and Silas and Timothy have birthed so powerfully in the gospel is only three weeks old. That's all it is before they get kicked out. Three weeks old. Paul had to leave this young church that had been birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he knew that even if he wasn't present, he knew that seed had been sown, that the gospel had been powerfully spoken and communicated. And what had happened within those young believers was enough to take them through every storm, every trial, and all of the persecution that faced them from a city that was in contention with the gospel that Paul spoke. Many believe that Paul was in Athens, because that's where he moved to, that's where he had to move to when he left Thessalonica. He went on to Athens, and many believe that Paul was in Athens when he wrote this first letter, the letter that we have, 1 Thessalonians. He wanted desperately to get back to them. He wanted desperately to visit them, but he was hindered. By Satan. That's what he says. Hindered. His heart was heavy. His heart was concerned. That's why he was praying for them continually. Because he knew that they were such a young church. And that there were so many powerful predators around this church that wanted to destroy it. And he desperately wants to get to see them. But he can't because he's being hindered. So he writes a letter. And he sends it to them. And one of the hallmarks about this new life that had been powerfully birthed in them. One of the hallmarks of this new life that was breaking out from them was enduring hope. Let me read to you just some of the verses that we read last week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3 says this. We always, now remembering all of the background that we've just spoken, spoken about, think about that as we read these words that Paul writes to this young church that were under a year old. This church was under a year old when Paul wrote this letter. We always thank God. 
for you all, for, for all of you. And pray for you constantly as we pray to our God and Father about you. We think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three beautiful hallmarks of new life that were resident in these young believers that Paul was writing to. Faithful work, he commends them for. We remember as we pray your faithful work and also your loving deeds and added to that enduring hope. Faithful work. These are the signs of new life in Christ. Faithful in your work. Loving in your deeds and enduring in your hope. Paul had birthed this church so powerfully along with Silas and along with Timothy. And now he is so encouraged. You can read right through the first chapter. He's so encouraged at how buoyant and, and how, how strong this young church is growing. Because he says, he says in, in that first chapter, he says, we're so encouraged about how the message... Regarding your faith, the message regarding your life is ringing out in all of the regions around. Paul was hearing great reports from this church, ringing out, sounding out from everywhere. He knew, you see, that when you have enduring hope, that's going to secure you. That's going to bring you on through any crisis, any difficulty, any trying time. He knew that as a result of their faithful work, their loving deeds, and their enduring hope, they would outlast the crisis that came their way. They would outlive the troubling times and the giants and the mountains that would obstruct them. Because of this enduring hope, Paul knew that they would come on through. And it, this wasn't just some kind of wishful thinking. This had come as a result of Jesus Christ right in the center of their heart. And Paul was commending them for it. They weren't falling down at the hurdles. They weren't backing up or changing their decision to follow Christ no matter how hot it got or how difficult it was. It seemed as if they were unaffected by all of the changes. Unaffected by all of the harsh remarks and the persecution that they faced. You see, enduring hope enables you to go through prolonged times of difficulty. Enduring hope enables you and I, like it did them, to go through times of times and seasons that are prolonged and seem to have no end within them. Enduring hope enables us to interpret the present situations and circumstances we face in light 
of eternity. In light of the one who we have placed our hope in. Last week, we, I made a statement by saying, it's amazing when you look at men and women in the Bible, men and women of faith, both in Old Testament and in New Testament, to see that they had this wonderful quality of enduring hope. Why could they be tenacious? Why could they be so resilient in the face of hostile circumstances, in the face of such difficulty? Why? Because of enduring hope. We looked at Abraham. Abraham, the father of faith. And when God spoke to Abraham when he was 75 years of age in Mesopotamia, God said, get out of your country, leave your father's house, go to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. In fact, I'm going to make your name great. Abram means exalted father. We looked at that. But when he turned up in the land, everything was but great. He turned up and there was a severe famine. And it looked as if everything was against the hope that he held in his heart when God spoke to him. And yet for 25 long years, he moved through all of these seasons of life. You can read about it in Genesis. It's, it's an incredible Incredible scene to see in the scriptures. So many changes. So many disappointments. So many mistakes. And yet, after 25 long years, the man is still in faith. One day, God turns up and says, right, Abraham, you're ready. What enabled Abraham to go through those long 25 years enduring hope? Enduring hope. He gets to the place where he's ready to receive the promise. But now when God said, Abraham, you're going to receive a son. The son that I promised you 25 years ago. Now his body is as good as dead. Sarah's body is as good as dead. Abraham's 100 years of age. She's 99. And there's no, there's no possibility of them ever conceiving a child but that's where God wants them it really is because when we've done everything we can do and failed that's when God gets to work and enduring hope gets us to that place where we never give up and Paul writing about Abraham our father in the faith makes a remarkable statement about him in Romans chapter 4 he says this Talking about Abraham, in hope, against all hope, Abraham believed. And I said to you that in life, many times, there are those moments, those in hope, against hope moments in life. Maybe today, you're at that place. You're in an in hope, against all hope moment in life. You're believing God to fulfill His word. You're believing God that he's spoken a promise into your heart. But everything is moving against that hope that you hold in your heart. Everything has gone into reverse, we could say. But in God, reverse is the new forward for your life, you see. 
That's a word for somebody this morning. Everything feels as if it's gone into reverse regarding the promise for your life, regarding your future, regarding the hope and the picture that you held in your heart. Everything seems to have gone in reverse. You're in an in-hope, against-all-hope moment in life where reverse has become the new forward in God. Get used to it. Don't be discouraged by it because God is moving you to the fulfillment of what he's spoken over your life. It's going to be fulfilled. God's not a liar. His word cannot return void without accomplishing that for which he sent it. He sent a word in your heart. You've had to wait for it patiently. But it's through faith and patience, not faith alone, through faith and patience that we become inheritors, partakers of that promise that has been spoken by God. Abraham was in such a moment. He couldn't do anything to produce the child that God had promised. Neither could Sarah. But because God had spoken it, in hope against all hope, they believed and they nursed that little baby Isaac just months after, as they received the promise and saw it with their own eyes. Enduring hope, enduring hope enables you not to give up. Enduring hope enables you not to throw the towel in. Enduring hope enables you to go through the seasons, no matter what they are, no matter how you suffer, no matter how difficult it gets. Enduring hope enables you to come on through to be able to receive the promise that God has spoken to you. We've all had those in hope, against all hope moments in our lives. All of us. All of us. Do you know this church, King's Church, you review the history and I review the history of the church sometimes and there's been many in hope, against all hope moments in the history of this church. There really has. You might be able to remember a few. But you know, I remember Pastor Ray telling a very powerful story about an in hope, against all hope moment in the history of this church. You know, before this was purchased as a building to be a church, it was a roller skating rink. And 18 months before this building was bought to be a church, Pastor Ray actually stood in this building as a roller skating rink. It was a thriving business. And right there in the middle of a thriving business, not a church, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he said, this is going to be a church where I am going to show forth my glory and many souls are going to be one. What was happening? Hope was being born. That's how God does it. He doesn't come out with a big megaphone or a microphone and stand on a stage and announce to everybody, this is what I'm going to do. No. He reveals his secrets to his prophets. And it was an in hope against all hope moment in life when he stood in this building because it was impossible really for it to ever happen. It was a thriving business, doing really well. Within 18 months, there was a downturn in the business. It went into receivership and faithful men and women of God purchased this building 
to become a church. Ray's excited. He's a traveling itinerant ministry, an evangelist going into schools and churches nationwide, seeing hundreds and thousands of people saved. But he's just happy that there's a church in Newport that he can call home. He went to see the pastors of the church who had been appointed to, to pastor this new church that had landed in Lower Dock Street. And he said, hey, listen, I would just love to call this my home church. Please understand, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an itinerant evangelist. I go into schools, I go into churches, just sharing the love of Jesus. And whatever I can do with my gift, I want to submit it into this church. And if I can help you build this church, I, I want to submit my gift into this place when I'm home. Well, a few months into it, they asked him to do a youth event on a Saturday night. It's a powerful story because it's part of the history of this church. And a thousand kids turned up. They could hardly fit them in the place. A thousand kids. And hundreds that evening, hundreds of that evening were saved, received Jesus as their Savior. But sadly, not everybody was rejoicing. Sadly, not everybody was thanking God for the harvest. Leaders began to become envious. Leaders began to become suspicious. Leaders began to become jealous of this explosive gift of the evangelist. This explosive gift that brings Men and women, young and old, from darkness into light. We must never be intimidated by the gifts that God has given to His church. We must never be intimidated by the precious ministry gifts all over the world that God has given to bring in this end time harvest into His kingdom. But because men are men, they were intimidated and let, let me tell you, I'm not criticizing anybody this morning. Leadership is a very vulnerable position. And any single one of us can fall into that area of weakness where we're intimidated, where we're envious, where we're jealous. We must recognize it. And as a result, within a few weeks, few months, the, past, the, the pastoral team became very controlling very domineering, and Ray was asked to leave. Now, there's a number of things that can happen when that happens. Proverbs, and we've looked at this, says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When your hope is deferred, your heart can become sick. You can decide to become vengeful. You can decide to become remorseful. And plan evil in your heart. Or you can go to your knees and pray. In moments like that, it's important to go to your knees and seek God for direction. That's what he did. He went down to Swansea on the beach and started to cry out to God as you would. His hopes had been dashed. He didn't want to be a pastor here. He didn't want to be a leader. He just wanted to help. 
And do you know the Holy Spirit spoke to him on that beach in Swansea? And he said this. He said, Ray, he said, allow me to be sovereign in this situation. And he said, what they meant for evil, I'm going to turn for your good. Gave him that word. Well, over the course of six, eight months, this whole church was plunged into chaos. God had taken Ray out of the equation, purposely hidden him out of all of the trouble, and suddenly leaders were ousted out, and the church was in chaos, and nobody knew what to do. And Ray was asked to be the pastor of the church. He didn't even want to be the pastor of the church. Why am I saying that? Why am I referring to that? I'll tell you why. Because it was an in hope against all hope moment in the history of this church. It was an in hope against all hope moment in Ray's life. But enduring hope took him through. Enduring hope enabled him to go on through and to enter into everything that God had destined him to do in this church. And he went on to pastor it for some 26, 27 years. Thousands of people. Tens of thousands of people impacted from this little church in Lower Dock Street. The place where God said, I will presence myself and do my work. Thousands and around the world blessed by this place. And in hope against all hope moment, he believed and God did what only God could do. Men and women of faith down throughout history, church history, Bible history, have all had their moments of being in hope and, and, and where everything is against their hope being fulfilled, but they've believed and pressed on through and endured in hope and God has fulfilled His promise. Today, maybe, the Lord wants to encourage you because... You're in a similar situation, different but similar, in that you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to go. Listen, endure in hope, endure in Him. As we close today, C.H. Spurgeon, the great English preacher, said these words about hope. He said, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity, only to be discovered in the night of adversity. And maybe, maybe today it might be a night season in your life. But hope, enduring hope will shine from your life. One old Puritan writer made, made this remark, and I, I, I get so encouraged by it. He said, many a satanic hammer has been broken and worn down on the anvil of a disciple's enduring hope. It doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter what tries to beat you down. It doesn't matter what tries to take you out. This enduring hope that's alive in you as a result of being in Christ Jesus 
will not break you. It really won't. You'll go on through to do everything that God's called you to do. Finally, let me read to you from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Habakkuk is surrounded by hopelessness. But in the midst of all of the hopelessness that surrounds him, he's a man of hope. He's a man of enduring hope. He really is. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to verse 19 says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on the high high hills. High hills, I was going to say then. He will make me... Walk on the high, on my high hills. That's the language of enduring hope in the face of hopelessness. That's the language of hope against all hope, believing that God will bring you through. That's the language and the faith of a man that trusts in God, that irrespective of what's happening around him, no matter how negative it is, no matter how unproductive it is, his hope is in God and he rejoices. And his default, his default of life is not sadness, doom and gloom and depression. His default in life, in the darkest hour, just like Paul and Silas's was in that prison, is joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what hope generates, joy Check out Romans 15 that we looked at a few weeks ago where Paul prayed for the church at Rome that they would discover God, the source of all hope and discovering God as their source of hope. They would see this joy erupting and this peace saturating their minds and their lives. It's important in these times to encourage ourselves. It's important in these times It really is to remember that we have an enduring hope in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray right now as we close our service today. Maybe today you're here struggling with questions. Maybe today you're here wondering about what's going on and your heart has become a little bit fearful. Well, God is so good. He gently holds us, tenderly takes care of us and wipes away all of those fears. He really does. And I'm going to ask right now as I pray for us again to become aware of this enduring hope that's alive. This enduring hope that's in you as a result of the Holy Ghost. This hope 
that is living within us as we face uncertain times. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for those who are here present, those who are watching via the web. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, whether we're situated in this room here or whether we are at home, Lord, I pray that your presence would comfort our hearts, that your presence would strengthen the hope in our heart, that we would realize even beyond this temporal world and its finish line, there is eternal hope in you. Lord, we thank you that we live in you, we move in you, we have our being in you. And in these times, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can sing in the midst of darkness. We can sing in the midst of sorrow. We can sing and retain our joy in the midst of external circumstances that may seem confusing. Not through our resolve, but through the power of your new life working within us. We thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Listen, have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week. Be a carrier of hope. And diffuse the presence and the life of Jesus into every hopeless situation and life that comes your way. Amen. Amen. God bless you.